Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello. It's coming out to play tonight, yes. Hello, Paul, are you well? Yes, here's a short pass. Yes, hello there, good morning. Morning, evening. <laughs> what What have you done with the pass, Andy? I've received it. Thank you, and where have you put it? How'd you, sorry, how do you mean? Where have you played that ball on the pitch? Where have you placed that pass? Oh, I, I think I've just placed it in the top corner. Fantastic. Great answer. And welcome all to part <laughs> seven of uh, the Football Book Corner podcast. And I've called it that because I got locked out, not of my home, but out of Gabby Cabby's Facebook account. And I've had to right. change things around. Book Corner doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. So the group that uh, that we have and the uh, the Facebook page that we have is the, the Football Book Corner podcast. So it's Brilliant. changed a little bit. It's been mad and it just seems as though it's been an eternity since part six. There's been so much going yeah. on. But for yeah. listeners that don't know or haven't listened before, a brief uh, resume and history about myfootballbooks.com and how you got started, Andy, and, and your wonderful website, etc. Thank you, as always, for your kind comments. So I'll give you a brief background, yeah. So we start, started um, the website, the idea, let's say, two years ago uh, on the back of the COVID, on the back of being furloughed. And, uh, yeah, the website, myfootballbooks.com, is basically uh, a site of recommended um, reads uh, and of new releases and books that are coming soon, covering all aspects of the beautiful game, um, whether it be from the past, uh, whether it be club football, international football, about the fans, about the grounds, uh, the cups, the FA Cup, World Cup, etc. Hopefully, it covers well pretty much every area. But it's all the the football literature and the great words written by great authors are out there, uh, all in one place really. Uh, and that was the the idea and the thought process behind it to hopefully give someone a, a source to go to uh, if they're looking for a new book to read. And as you well know, Paul, there's lots of great material out there and lots of great stories that's always been created year after year uh, of our great game. Absolutely. And you do recommend a book every week for our weekly <coughs> podcast, The Current View, with the Idle of Hillsborough, Mr. Terry Curran. Um, some of the books that you've uh, recommended because it's been middle of March uh, yeah. since we've done the last one, and now it's almost the beginning of, of May. Uh, you recommended Give Me the Ball by Terry Curran and uh, John yeah. Brindley. Um, you also uh, recommended 78 Our Nation Lost the World Cup by Graham McCall. Uh, another book, I'm going through it here, 
Uh, I believe uh, Football Wizard, the story of Billy Meredith by John Harding, you also recommended. Uh, Before the Premier League, A History of the Football League, uh, The Last Decades of That by Paul Whittle. And I am going to be doing a podcast with Paul, who's kindly sent me his wonderful publication. And I love the, the football the old leather case in old money in between yeah. two pictures, two iconic pictures of great stadia. You then recommended Bobby Moore, The Man in Full by Matt Dickinson, and most Brilliant. recently The Cup by Richard Whitehead, a pictorial celebration of the world's greatest football tournaments. And you also kindly send us an on this day, so you're very much part of the current view weekly podcast as well and it's great to be a part as well Paul so uh, great yeah we're all we're all one team where do you want to start this week because I've got a bed full of books I've also (laughs) just looked at a number of books that that catch my eye Um, we're going to be catching up with author of the month shortly a wonderful book, The Big Fix, a thriller by Jill Morris. So, okay. um, yeah, so a little bit later in the podcast, I'm going to have a chat with Jill. And next month, we're going to be um, talking to Paul Whittle, who's going to be the author of, of next month. So probably around end of May, early June. Yeah. And it'll be a good time for people that's going away on their summer holidays sitting around pools, drinking copious amounts of alcohol, and they're going to want a book to read, aren't they? So we're going to be recommending some of those books. Yeah, you don't blame them after COVID and not being travelling anywhere. So everyone, quite rightly, is going out and finally uh, putting their feet up um, abroad. (laughs) Well, even not so abroad, just at least going going on holiday somewhere. Absolutely. Where are you going start, while, we're, while we're talking on holidays? Where do you, where do you have to? Have you got anything booked later on in the in the year? Uh, I mean, locally, yep. I've got one off to Cape Verde uh, next year. So uh, okay. yeah, around about April time. A holiday that's been cancelled. It feels like about three or four years now. So it's been moved. So yeah, off to Cape Verde next year. Something nice break with the family. That's um, nice. So uh, but yeah. But um, in a few weeks' time, heading down to the lovely part of um, Salcombe, which is in Devon. So, uh, lovely seaside town. Um, if you've ever visited, if you've not visited, I recommend it. Uh, very quintessential Britain, British kind of uh, seaside town. Beautiful, um, yeah, pubs, etc., and beaches. Lovely. Sounds great, beaches and pubs. That really mm. uh, gets my ears pricked up. <laughs> a, a book that got my uh, eyes focused and i did recommend it this week on the uh, the current view from beauty to duty it's out in august and it's a football history of uruguay 1878 to 1918 by martin de cruz do you know anything about that no. one? i don't know i don't know about one when did that come out so far it's coming out in august it, it, it caught my fancy the other week while i was trawling through the internet I mean, oh, of course, okay. there are a number of Tory MPs that are trawling through the internet whilst they're in the Houses <laughs> of Parliament, but that's for another yeah. show, not Book Corner. But no, really, yeah. really, um, I looked at that because there's lots of books uh, about 
foreign uh, football nations, uh, Italy, yeah. Calcio and uh, Dirty Angels about Argentina and Germany tour and etc etc etc. And I've not seen one about Uruguay before. And Uruguay, of course, was the uh, the venue of the first World Cup in 1930. Yeah, that'll be a really interesting mm-hmm. read. I think it's vaguely run based. It's coming out through Pitch Publishing, by the yeah, chance. Yeah, yeah. Pitch do something. Yeah, I do. Publication. Does ring a bell now? Yeah, I normally only look at books probably two or three months in advance, but. Yeah, that's later in the year, like you said, August time then. So that would be a fascinating read. So uh, in terms of the history, yeah, like you say, of Uruguay and their early history and being involved in, um, well, international football. So, um, yeah, it would be a fantastic read. Absolutely. You can follow Martin de Cruz on his socials and nosing in to um, when people were engaging with him regarding the book. I do think there might be another book after... Uh, 1918 to a little bit more up to date and mm. modern day so so watch this space and another book that really caught my fancy by Aidan Williams The Neely Men which is out yeah. on Monday and it celebrates the allure of the greatest teams that haven't won the World Cup it does say fail to win the World Cup but don't like fail because those teams didn't fail they captured the heart and imaginations certainly of me yeah no, absolutely. Yeah, I've seen that book going out. Aidan Williams is one of the um, senior team at the Football Times who have got a, a number of great writers, haven't they? But yeah, yeah, it looks a fascinating book, like you've said. And some of those, some of those teams that have lost those finals. Brazil sticks out in '82. Uh, Uruguay, uh, sorry, not Uruguay. Uh, Hungary, I always think of yep, back in yeah, '64. So you remember those losers, don't you? If you want to call them that, which is which they are really. Uh, in terms of the actual tournament itself, but yeah, they were great teams, weren't they? That um, just they, didn't quite get to that last. Um, yeah, achieve what they should have achieved, really. Yeah, well, they to not so much hungry because it still was the Jules Rimet, of course, in, in their day. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Holland and and Brazil in '82 failed to. Well, they didn't capture the Jules Rimet. But that was because mm. it was the World Cup, and uh, Brazil captured the Jules Rimet in uh, 1970 when they won it for the third time. And you yeah. could argue that that Brazil team of 82 and the Dutch team of 74 stroke 78 in modern days, because we didn't see the Hungarians, we can read about them in some fantastic books out there uh, yeah. to, to, to read about the history of Hungarian football. But they really did, as a kid, I remember having pictures of Holland and Brazil on my bedroom wall, and they they were, in my eyes, winners. Yeah. Stellar names, aren't they, as well? Yeah, absolutely. Which, uh, 82, Zico, Socrates, yeah, the names, they just roll off the lips, and obviously yeah, Cruyff. Falcao, yeah. and Adair, and Nayskins of the Dutch, and Johnny yeah. Rep and Royson Brink, Brink, and... You know, they had Eddie yeah. Hahn. They, they had just so many. Yan Youngblood, the goalkeeper. First goalkeeper, I remember, heading the ball. You know, there they, they <laughs> were just so many fantastic yeah. teams. So that looks as though it's going to be a tremendous book. Uh, it's a book that I haven't got yet. Well, nobody has got it yet because it does come out on the 2nd of May. And when this does. broadcast does go out, the book will be published. So get on to that, Aidan Williams, and follow all these guys on the socials. 
the Neely men out on the 2nd of May by Aidan Williams. And you're right, you know, I, I love the, the, the project that these guys, these football times, get involved yeah. in. It's it's tremendous. I do call them the educators. And I've done a recent podcast with one of yeah. the educators, Gary Thacker, whose book now, yeah. Out of the Blue, is uh, on the shelves and on... Uh, social media and on Amazon and on your site and don't matter yeah. where you get it from but buy the book and it it really is the story of Chelsea's unlikely triumphs in the season 2011 to 2012 so 10 years ago yeah no well, that was a fascinating story just in itself wasn't it when Villas uh, Boris was dismissed wasn't he uh, I think in the March of that year yeah it was and yeah. then uh, obviously Roberto Di Matteo came in and uh, it's just phenomenal, really. That's against say that against the odds, but winning the Champions League uh, and the FA Cup. Was yes, it as well? they did win the, uh, FA, the FA Cup, Cup as well. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, it's remarkable, isn't it? So uh, probably what's not so remarkable in Chelsea's history is that he was sacked, wasn't he, in November? That was quickly forgotten about, wasn't it? In terms of that's an incredible triumph, <laughs> but that's uh, that's uh, modern day Chelsea, isn't it? Really, the managers didn't stay for very long. Well, Chelsea do have a tendency to do that. They're very similar to Watford, but yeah. the main difference yeah. is Chelsea are very successful. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think they, that lad, Carlo Ancelotti, I think he won the double yeah. in the season after he was sacked as well. So, you know, Abramovich has been a great owner for Chelsea, and we do look at, you know, up to date now what's going on. It does look as yeah. though they're going to be sold for somewhere in the region of between three and four billion pounds, which is an astronomical amount of You didn't money. fancy it then, Paul. You didn't fancy putting a bid in. Well, I went through my change drawer and didn't quite get enough. Yeah, and no, I, I didn't. No, I phoned up Alan quite. Hudson and says, Oddie, you, you and Osgood <laughs> pretty much paid for the East Stand. Do you fancy buying it as well? And well, no, we, we, just couldn't, we just couldn't raise the money. But there, there, there oh, you go. It? But it's amazing when you think back to Ken Bates. Didn't he buy it for a pound, I think it was? Did, yeah. Somewhere like that. So, did, uh, yeah. Wow, how football changes, isn't it? <laughs> it's well, incredible. We were, we were talking on the podcast this week with Terry, and uh, and, and Terry was saying about uh, when you know he, he was tapped up by, by Brian, and, mm. and they'd, they'd, give it, they'd give him 20 quid. And, and, you know, Alan Hudson, when he scored the ghost goal, they were on something yeah. like a ridiculous amount for uh, per point, and uh, yeah. Webby said, "You're going to tell him that he didn't go in." He says, "No, we're only on. I think it was something like thirty pound a bonus for for a point or a win." And he says, "No, <laughs> we had a couple of goals disallowed. We're, we're, let's leave it there. The referee's always right, and we play to the referee's whistle." But yeah, when you look at today, the amount yeah. of coin that goes yeah. into a, a you know, the beautiful game, and I use that word yeah. loosely, it is astronomical. And when you look at Manchester yeah. United over the last 10 years, have spent more money than any other team, and I watched mm. them against Chelsea uh, the other evening, and you can't see the evidence where that money's no. been spent. They look absolutely awful. So, you know, money... Football has been awash with money uh, in recent times since the advent of the Premier League, but in many yeah. instances, not for the better or the greater, you could argue. 
No, I agree. agree. It's pretty much first years to the day, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, now the Premier League has been in place, um, so I think it was only I remember before on this day actually um, um, that it was Leeds United that won the, la- yes, the last did. league yeah. title, didn't they? Yeah, in '92. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, so coincided with a book that another um, interesting read, the title by Scott Murray, which is the story of the first division. So uh, for those uh, kids out there that um, don't realise that the football was definitely not invented in 1992, it's much more, uh, much more uh, proud history and longer than that. So uh, um, one of the books that are just tying quite neatly to that, I'll, I'll recommend it's one that was added on my most recent newsletter is actually um, the Billionaires Club uh, okay. by James Montague, yep. and it's about the uh, well, the subtitle is the unstoppable rise of football super rich owners, uh, and uh, it's got a time. It's well, it's been out for a number of years now, but it talks about um, well, once upon a time, football used to be run by your modest local businessman, didn't it? It used to be run by the local. Um, I don't know who owned the local factory, etc. But now it's yeah, it's the plaything of billionaire well oligarchs. Obviously, that's changed with uh, Roman Abramovich. Um, uh, but this book talks about the crisscross of the globe from um, and the, how the um, yeah the biggest clubs in the world have just been coming into the cog of the yeah the global economy and how football is becoming a central cog of that machine really. So uh, James Montague, yeah, he's a wonderful writer. He's an award-winning author as well. He's wrote a number of books. He writes for the New York Times, World Soccer. Uh, amongst others, so um, it's a yeah, it's a fantastic read if you want to really get into some analysis around the money that um, sways around football. So it's a brilliantly yeah, it's a brilliantly researched book. So uh, so I'll just segue that in there, yeah, as you're talking about that. So that's the Billionaires Club um, by James Montague. Well, as fascinating we, read. As we're talking about money on the front mm. of this book, the big fix. There's a load of. £50 note, so I think we should have a, a quick chat with uh, Jill Morris and uh, talk about her book. How's yeah. uh, how was Cyprus, Jill? Uh, very hot, very nice. Great to get away and get some sunshine after the last couple of years. Yeah, and what a lovely island as well. And by the way, welcome to um, Book Corner, the football book corner with uh, with Andy from myfootballbooks.com. We do this uh, monthly uh, feature where I pick somebody who is the author of the month. And this month, it's you, Jill. Yeah. So for the uneducated, the wonderful yeah. book that you sent me, I, apologies I haven't read it yet, but I must have about 100 football books that I haven't read. It is a standing <laughs> joke with Andy. Andy will probably yeah. read two or three in the month, and I read a couple of chapters when I'm making a podcast with a player and then have yeah. other things to do. So briefly tell us your background and how you got into writing football books. Okay, so my background is very much marketing PR background, but within generally retail convenience sector and also a little stint with them into Flora as well. Um, So I've spent a lot of my career actually writing, but very much from a a business perspective. Uh, But I've always loved creative writing. I've always really enjoyed it from kind of school days, etc., and when the when the pandemic hit, uh, I was actually doing consultancy work at the time, and that work dried up due to the pandemic. 
and so I was looking for something else to kind of get my teeth into, get keep busy, etc. And I'd always wanted to write a book, so I, I just began the the process at that point, and spent about um, a good six seven months. Managed to get onto initially a a pop up Facebook group called Write That Book, and then joined a masterclass for it as well, where there's lots of like minded authors. And that just gave you lots of advice as to the, the everything that's involved with it. Because I think writing's kind of just one tiny element of it all. Now, is this your first football book? I mean, it's a lovely colour. It's a lovely thick book. A matter, a matter of life and death, or much more serious. Now, that's got to be uh, a throwback <laughs> or, or a kind of... Um, tribute to the great and late Bill Shankly when he when yeah. he come out with a famous quote the big fix rather than a little fix or a small fix and it is a thriller there's the football there's the 50 pound notes and millions in cash hundreds of designer watches a small black book so it really want it really is encouraging you to get into the pages and turn them over and read them yeah so it is my debut novel. Um, it's it's about football because I've loved football all my life. I've I've been watching Newcastle for nearly forty years now, um, and but I also love thrillers. So actually, the the book appeals to both football fans and non-football fans alike. I think. I've had so many comments from people who can't stand football and they've actually absolutely loved the book. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's kind of crossed, crossed the barrier there for that. But uh, yeah, it, just, it came from an idea that my my husband like, kind of put forward quite a lot of years ago, which just stuck with me, which was what if all the results were predetermined at the start of the season? Do you mean they're not? That's, it doesn't go... <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I think there's, a, there's an awful lot that kind of <laughs> goes towards fixing certain things these yeah. days, let's face it. Things like, how how do those big matches all fall on one particular weekend, for it's example? It's a right shock, isn't it? It's amazing how <laughs> yeah. that computer turns that out. It's really <laughs> com- amazing. Um, but it, it doesn't quite go that far, but it, but it does kind of have that as the little nugget. And from that, what I've done is developed it into kind of a fictional story of corruption, but where it's set against a backdrop of real football teams. Yeah, and what you've alluded to is that it appeals to people that don't necessarily like football, but like thrillers. Yeah, yeah so it's... It has the the backdrop of football, yeah. um, and it's it's looked at very much from the perspective of a football fan as well. So it it weaves in kind of the idea of a of a dad taking his little boy to football for the first time and what that all feels like, and it brings in kind of particular matches from time to time that they attend, which aren't you know anything to do with the corruption side of things. It's it's actually all again. Uh, Brentford um, is the the main protagonist in the story as a Brentford fan. What did so, they do to you then, Jill? Why Brentford? Uh, well, 
<laughs> oh well it's really positive about Brentford actually <laughs> so there's there's nothing that's yeah. saying anything corrupt about Brentford it's just the guy who actually stumbles across the corruption yeah. is a Brentford fan so it brings in the nice storyline of what football means to fans from their perspective but then also when he stumbles on the corruption which is in the Premier League, then he um, is kind of caught between what to do for the right thing as a, as a football fan, yeah. what's what's the right decision for him to make, um, and it's all the kind of intrigue and danger that's set against that. Yeah, football, when you get into the professional game, I mean, you might not be too far away from the truth there. It is a murky world. And especially with some of the owners that buy the football clubs these days. I'm not having a knock at Newcastle. Good luck to everybody. I'm not particularly yeah. bothered. I got bought up. Uh, my dad took me down to St Andrews. In fact, the first game of football that I watched at Birmingham City was against Newcastle United in 1972. And, yeah. and, you know, I, I, although I'm a Birmingham City supporter, although many people think that I support the Villa, but I don't, uh, I do have a fondness for all football clubs. In fact, the only club I don't like is Wimbledon. And I'll be honest, we do this yeah. on the current view with, with Terry Curran. And I don't like Wimbledon. Yeah. I just don't like the way Wimbledon used to play football with Vinnie Jones and all them yeah. thugs. And But I've always liked Newcastle. They've always had fantastic supporters. And uh, yeah. growing up in the 70s with Malcolm McDonald and Pat Howard, I've had the pleasure to, to interview yeah. on a couple of occasions. So, uh, yeah, Jimmy Johnson, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Jinky Smith as well. Newcastle yeah. have a fondness in, uh, in, in my heart. <laughs> to be fair and then Geordie's are fantastic that's good to hear my my first game was during Kevin Keegan's first season as a player and um, I loved him as a player even before he came to us so yeah. the fact that he came to us in the situation we were in was just brilliant and he was fantastic for our football club Terry Curran was another player that almost joined I think Arthur Cox had found his house and he'd already given his word that he was going to go and sign it was either uh, Sheffield United at the time or Everton I can't remember, yeah. but um, he was going around that time to team up with Kevin Keegan. But what yeah. a fantastic side they had, Keegan, Beardo. And, oh, I mean, you've yeah. had some great players over the times Absolutely. and through yeah. the years. What's the easiest and how is the easiest way for people to hook up with you, Jill, and buy the book, The Big Fix? I love the little calling card that you've got in the book as well, your little bookmark. It's fantastic. Yeah. So the best way, um, or the, the best copies, should I say, is um, via my own website. So it's jillmorrisauthor.co.uk. Yeah. And um, if you buy it from there, you can get a signed copy. You can have it personalised if you, if you send me the message that you'd like in there, etc. Um, but it's also available um, as Kindle and as not a, not as nice a paperback, but still still a, obviously the same book um, on Amazon. And then it's in a, uh, the back page in Newcastle and the Metro Centre, which is a, a sports memorabilia shop. Um, and I'm looking to get various other stockists as well. Now, you really have gone to town with it because I'm looking inside the book. There's um, And then you've got a little calling card as well. So there's a lot of time and effort and money that's gone into um, developing and making and producing this book. It really is a work of art. 
Thank you. It's um, there is a lot of work involved. Mm. I think I I briefly mentioned earlier that the writing part is kind of only one small part of yeah. it, and actually getting the book out there, especially when you self-publish as well, yes. getting the book out there and and getting it to as wide an audience as you can mm. is the, the the when the real hard work starts. Yeah. Um, so I was I was really pleased recently. I got shortlisted for the Selfies Awards, well which is. Um, national for self-published uh, books and it was the top nine in the country um for adult fiction so i went down to the london book fair for that um and had the award ceremony unfortunately didn't win it but i think to to actually get there is a massive achievement anyway and especially because i think it was i think i was the only um author who was there with a debut novel as well yeah. the rest were quite kind of old hands at, at doing it all so i was absolutely over the moon for that and dedicated for me mum and dad because that's a, a yeah. northern thing, isn't it? In Birmingham, yeah. we would say mum, but like up yeah. there in, in the north, it's like me man, isn't it? Yeah. And sadly, they're no longer with us. And I, I wish they were, because yeah. I think they'd be really proud and <laughs> telling all their friends. And, yeah. you know, I think actually they'd be, they'd probably be brilliant from a marketing perspective. But um, my, my sisters and my wider family have been just amazing as well in that respect. You know, they, they encourage people all the time um, and really, uh, you know, push it as much as they possibly can. I like the way you go, you've got the, uh, the prologue. Or the pro, I'm I'm terrible yeah. at English. I am, um, <laughs> honestly. Um, part one, part two, it goes up parts, doesn't it? Rather than chapters. Um, there's chapters as well, but there's uh, specifically like three parts to it. Yes. Um, without giving kind of spoilers away. Yeah, or we whatever. don't want to give nothing away. But Manchester City yeah. get mentioned, and Greater Manchester Police in the prologue get mentioned. Yeah. There's, um, I'm looking at the 381st page because it's 381 pages, and um, yeah. it's a little bit of an expletive towards the end as well. What the, you know? So there's, um, it looks as though there's room for a follow-up, a part <laughs> two, the big fix part yeah. two. You've left it in the air, haven't you? Yeah, there's. There's definite scope for that, yeah. um, and I, I I really want to do that. I'm just I'm working out the best kind of time frame for that because what I want to do is make this book as successful as possible first mm-hmm. of all, um, and also one thing that I'm really interested in doing is looking into um, screenplay for whether it's something like a kind of Netflix mini series. Yeah or even um, a film. I've had a lot of people who've read it who've suggested that it would work perfectly for either one of those. So I'm just looking at various opportunities on that at the moment. ITV so, drama. Yeah. So um, once once I can kind of progress those more, then um, I'll be looking more into the sequel as well. And I've got, again, I've got a lot of people who were, who were asking me for the sequel, but mm. I, guess, I guess if you keep 
keep people hanging on a bit. It just adds to the anticipation, doesn't it? It does. And the, the lovely thing is that once you've enjoyed it, there's more. But the amount of times I watch a, a drama on ITV and think, right, this is the end. I've, I've indulged all my time, effort, and I've loved it. And I go, oh, is that the end? They really have yeah. left it up in the air for a part, for another, you know, for a sequel, which is great. Yeah. But but often when when authors are writing books, they're writing it as a trilogy or more or in different parts. Did you set out to do that when you wrote the book? Thought, do you know what? I could leave this hanging, and I'm not saying that you are or you're not because yeah. we don't want to give anything away. But there's always yeah. a possibility. But did you write it to actually finish it, or did you think at a stage, do you know what? There's there's more there's more legs in in this. Yeah, I think initially when I started it, I I didn't know how I was going to end it, and yeah. some people are a bit surprised by that. But actually, yeah. I think the more that you write the book and develop the plot, it's the hardest thing you know, Jill, to write an ending. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I kind of I, I didn't know that until I was really in full flow with writing the book. Mm. So it wasn't intentional to say, yeah, there's going to be a sequel. It just yeah. kind of came about the more that the plot developed. Yeah. And and I'm now even I've still got, you know, some ideas in my head for for what the sequel is about. And I've got an idea of what the time frame is and it's potentially during the pandemic and that sort of thing. So it's when, you know, football stadium are, um, are closed. And um, so I've got, I've got an idea for that. And even as I think more about that, I wonder whether there's even a third book there. Of course there is. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a possibility, but it wasn't something that I, I set out to do. I, I, I wanted to write a book, and the more that I've got into it and done it, I absolutely love this yeah. this kind of career. So it's, it's like a drug, isn't it? Wanted. Yeah, exactly. It is, isn't it? So, you get sucked into something and you've yeah. enjoyed it and you've put all your time, your energy, your effort into this little baby that you've produced. And you yeah. think, do you know what? I want to have another baby now. And that, it, that's <laughs> what happens. It is very much like that. And you meet so many interesting people and people are so interested to hear about a book as well yeah. even even if they might not even be your particular reader yeah. they just love the fact that you've written a book yeah. so it's it's just a, a a great career to get in I mean it's not a career that pays enough at the moment I'm back yeah. doing some consultancy work yeah. but um, hopefully in time who knows it's lovely to have that as a as a hobby and if that hobby can earn sufficient money to become a career then that's absolutely fantastic but most of us that do podcasts or do writing or or whatever you do within football in the the periphery of the game not the billionaires that actually play the game these days but we all live in the real world and we have to do another job but I think that makes it even more special because you're doing it because you want to do it you'll aren't you? Yeah. You're doing it because yeah. you get a buzz and you get a kick. And if then you can develop that into something else, then that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Um, every every kind of event or whatever that I do or 
for example, today, the interview, I do get a real buzz from it. Mm. I did, I did a, an author evening at, at York Library recently, and, and that was just great to, to kind of talk to people who were, were interested in hearing about the whole process, about what the future plans are and all of that. And some had read the book and some hadn't. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just it's just great. Love it. <laughs> and Facebook and Twitter and your social medias. Let's give a shout out for that. And we're going to, again, give uh, a mention to the website that ties everything together, jillmorrisauthor.co.uk, which is where yeah. you want people to visit, where you want them to go. But for them yeah. to go there, you need them to go to your Facebook and all your socials, your Instagram, etc., etc. So you give us a shout out to uh, to where they can go to initially make contact with you, as I did. Okay. So um, the Facebook is Jill Morris Author. Uh, Twitter is J Morris author and Instagram is Jill Morris author. Fantastic. And the more that you write, the more books that you get out, the more that you can go on holiday on that lovely island of Cyprus, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? Yeah. But isn't it great the, when you do European adventures with, <laughs> uh, with Newcastle? <laughs> well, yes, you never know now with your, with your very, very rich owners. Newcastle United could be the new Paris Saint-Germain, couldn't they? No, but in I, all seriousness... We have an awful lot more history than them. And, well, you, know, you do, to be fair. Like English football does. The new owners are, are going to invest sensibly, I think. They're going to give us yeah. what we could have had over the last 14 years if we didn't have somebody who wasn't the least bit interested in us as a mm. football club. So I think we're, we're getting some of that investment back that we could have had over that period of time and hopefully built sensibly towards a better future. But, you know, we were we were in the Champions League not that long ago. We were regularly in Europe. Mm -hmm. So it, I think we have an awful lot more history than Paris Saint-Germain. <laughs> <laughs> they do go back quite a long time, though, PSG. I mean, they have got, you know, owners that have got shed loads of money as well, but they have yeah. got a fair history in uh, in French football but but yeah. Newcastle United an absolutely massive club and the one difference really for me okay I, I know that the Geordie faithful didn't like Mike Ashley um and, and Mike run it as a business which to be fair if I'm honest I think football clubs should be run a little bit more like businesses but what they've done the new owners they've identified a decent manager and I think yeah. that's the difference. I don't think Newcastle have had a decent manager, arguably since Bobby Robson and uh, and Kevin Keegan. I think they've they've bought in a number of people that they thought that could do a job. But I do like this fella Eddie Howe. I think he's a tremendous coach, stroke manager, and I think the first thing that he come in is he wanted to know who he's working with. And I think yeah. that's the difference. Some people go in there, you're working for me. And I think Eddie's gone in there. Look, we're all a team. I want to know about you. I know about your parents, your partners, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, um, and I think that going in and doing that 
and doing the legwork. I think um, there are great times ahead for Newcastle United as well as great times ahead for you with the big fix. And the nice thing about writing, you can write anywhere. You don't have to be living in a certain place. You can write with your laptop. You can take it on your European tour with Newcastle United. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sounds great. Some new ideas. <laughs> well, you never know, do you? You never know. Jill, can I thank you so much for your time? It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, keep up your great work. And we'll keep promoting and helping you uh, with uh, the big fix that you can get, guys. JillMorrisAuthor.co.uk. Thanks, Jill. Thank you. Take care. Lovely. Cheers. Back to you, Andy. Well, thanks so much, Jill. And back to you, Andy. Um, You did put up and post up the other day because the other day was... FA Cup finals of the past, end of football seasons of the past. And there was yeah. um, Manchester United, the big Manchester United book of the 70s by my good friend Roy Kavanagh. A fantastic yeah. book. And United in 1974, of course, were relegated. Many people believe that, but, um, sorry, uh, Dennis Law relegated yeah. Manchester United or Stoke City. Yeah. But no, they were already down. Yeah, it was Birmingham City, actually, that relegated them when we won 2-1 against Norwich City. And that that was the day of the the, the Dennis Law back heel. But because results went against Manchester United, it didn't really matter what United did that day. They were doomed. But what a a fabulous book. And there's some great pictures. I mean, on the front there, there's uh, Law... And uh, sorry, uh, Charlton and Best, and on the back a picture of Dennis Law playing against Crystal Palace. The great Martin Buchan, uh, Gordon McQueen, Stevie Coppel. Yeah. And, and those were the days with Law, uh, Best, and Charlton without a badge. What great yeah. kids they were! Just a red kit with a white collar. Yeah, striking, isn't it? Yeah, still, absolutely. isn't it? So very simple, but. Superb. I don't know what the other word is there. So just yeah, it's exactly that, isn't it? You don't need the, the fancy colours. It's just iconic. I think that's the other word as well, isn't it? Yeah, but I, those kits. I, did like, I did like the admiral kit though of Manchester United. Oh yeah, the white yes. one with the black one, and I thought that they were yeah. they were really they were really trendy and really kicking because Doherty, yeah. although they got relegated, bought them. Uh, up straight away and Manchester United really were making inroads into they won the cup in 77 of course but to uh, mm. to win the league title as well but sadly uh, Tommy got sacked after a, a liaison with uh, the physiotherapist's wife and to the day that Tommy died he was still with Mary but if, a case of really if only and Alan Hudson always says mm. about with Chelsea with Tommy if only Tommy was one of the great managers of of modern times. Yeah. He was, yeah, absolutely. It's a great book that particular that the that the the big mansion of the book of the seventies. It's it's so brilliantly um, presented. Legends Publishing yeah. is the uh, publishers behind that, and they always produce high quality as well. It's great feel to it. It's great the way it's written as well. It's obviously the season by season and inter- intertwined in those great images. It's, it's a game by game as well, isn't it? Uh, of uh, of those seasons, but um, yeah, great great characters as well. 
And uh, really the ups and downs really, wasn't it, for Manchester United, of course, throughout that period as well. Why, um, why is a decade in which Manchester United were relegated and won just one mm. major trophy looked back on so fondly by United yeah. fans? And that's the introduction, the open to the introduction. And we must give Carl Abbott a, a shout as well because it's yeah. Roy Cavana yeah. and Carl Abbott. The, uh, the yeah. forward by the great Martin Buchan, one of the classiest central defenders to play for the Red Devils. <clears throat> Excuse me. And possibly, still to this day, the only captain to have lifted the English and Scottish FA Cups. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't uh, think anybody else really does. No, not, <laughs> can't think of any. No. <laughs> Certainly not. Excellent. So what else have you got? Because I'm going to come back to you well, with another one after your next hit. Yeah, well, I'll go, I'll go back to, you mentioned it, um, it was on, one of on this day, and it's a book that I've read um, this month, and I know you did a podcast um with him as well, Richard Whitehead, with yes. the, the book, the book. Yeah. I think it's worth another mention as well, because it's, uh, um, I've read a number of books, I've obviously so many years, etc. And there is the odd book that springs out that just thinks, wow, that's a cracker, that is. And I, I want to give it a shout out, because it is literally a cracker. It's a brilliant book. I think that it ticks all the boxes uh, for me, really, in terms of I love the FA Cup, I love football history. You know, and the FA Cup has got it in, well, it's just, there's so much of it, isn't it? And uh, it's, you know, the 150-year course anniversary. Uh, and I was hoping that this, you know, good book would come out about it. And, yeah, Richard Wired has got it right on the money kind of thing. And I think you said it in the podcast with Richard, I think, in the early part. I know it says it as a, that it's a pictorial celebration, but it isn't just that. It, the pictures, obviously, are fantastic, yeah. but... It's stories in there as well. Um, some I knew or some I forgot, etc. But brilliant stories uh, right way through. And the way it's written as well, it's broken down into um, you know certain areas, isn't it? Whether it be the yes. about the fans, about the venues, about the managers, the giant killings, etc. But some great, great stories. Great words as well, isn't there? Absolutely. So, um, and but it's, it's a coffee yeah, table book, one. isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. And it's one that yeah. you can dip into and dip out of and read the back. As yeah, you know, probably even before the front, because it's in no fixed order. It's as you say, it's in different yeah. segments of different features of the FA Cup over the yeah. uh, the hundred and fifty years, and it's a fantastic, yeah. uh, fantastic read. I've dipped into it. Uh, Jamie Vardy on the front there with Sunderland, of course, in thirty seven. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it is yeah. just it's fantastic and and a wonderful podcast. With uh, with Richard, what a, a top man, what a knowledgeable person. So yeah, yeah, highly recommended. And check out the podcast that we uh, that we uh, cut together. No, your podcast is brilliant. I think you described it perfectly, kind of thing. In terms of um, again, uh, for people who uh, maybe see it and think it's just a big picture, pictorial celebration. It's that's just even just that's just the start of it. It's just. Uh, yeah, really great. It, it is literally almost, even if you're not a fan of football, I think it's almost a kind of a, uh, when you read through it, it's like a history just in, of uh, British uh, society almost in some, many ways kind of thing. It's just the way it's um, presented. Yeah, fantastic. Really good. So I definitely wanted to give that a shout out. It goes right up there in, um, I don't know, I'm probably saying, but at least the top 20 books of all time, 20 books, I'd say it's that. 
that good. It's really, really good. And you yeah, read definitely. so many books. I mean, I probably yeah. haven't read 20 <laughs> my entire life. I've done a recent <laughs> podcast with John Giles. And John's got a, well, he, he it's a book that came out some time ago, uh, A Football Man, the Autobiography. I've got a lovely mm. podcast with John, uh, which is out on all of our socials, uh, SRB Media, or my 70s, uh, Legends of the 70s podcast on Facebook or Twitter. And I actually got to, um, I got to page 108. You'd be very proud of me. I, I, I well half, half read the book. But Excellent. as always, what I do, I go on to do another podcast and I just don't have time to read all these books. But it is a great no. read. And, and I like to, because with John, I know about a lot about what he, what he did when he was at Leeds United, of course, growing up in the 70s. But his yeah. early years, I do like to read up on, on the yeah. early years. And it was a great podcast. I mean, John is such a great talker and such a fantastic uh, player. And um, you wouldn't think, because yeah. John had got a little bit of reputation, and we did cover that, but it was football really that made him have that reputation. But what a soft-spoken, mm. wonderful gentleman. And uh, it's probably something yeah. that would surprise a lot of people when they listen to John talk and also listen to John <laughs> sing. So he's got a decent, uh, a decent voice. And I did say after a Bacardi and Coke, and he says, I've got to stop you, Paul. <laughs> Several Bacardi and Cokes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And get it, get it on. I've done a recent podcast with John Sperling. Out of the 70s, Great. rocked footballers were talking about John Giles in the 70s. Yeah, I've just uh, um, not quite finished it, reading that book at the moment. Yeah, get it on. So, uh, well, again, another absolute cracker, isn't it? Uh, I just, uh, yeah, I love the way, again, I love the way it's been set out in terms of uh, how it's broken down as well. It's, it's very clever how he's done it. So, uh, uh, but I, I just even love that right from the start, there's a few quotes at the very front. I've got it here in front of me. Uh, You've got a quote from um, George Best. Uh, this is him speaking in 2004, and he says, One time uh, I had a great night in the casino, cashed in all my chips, um, shoved my winnings into a paper bag, and the next morning, I walked straight into a car showroom where I bought a brand new Jag in cash. And that's not a normal thing to do. <laughs> but George Bell <laughs> wasn't George. a normal person. No, he wasn't, was he? But uh, it just sets the scene for that book. So, uh, And obviously, it's got a forward by the great Barry Davis as well, So, uh, which is yeah, one of the great commentators. Isn't it? Whenever I think of Barry Davis, uh, almost now I could hear the um, the one where I think Francis Lee scored. Oh, he says, yes. look at his face. Just look at his face. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he has I, some great lines, didn't he? This is iconic lines, isn't it? And that, and that one with Franny yeah. was great because Francis yeah. was playing for Derby. He won the, he won the uh, Football League Championship in 1975 after Manchester mm. City had sold him to Derby mm. and he scored against yeah. Manchester City. So, and you could see it on his face and, and that's the job of the commentator. Look at his yeah. face. Just look at his face. And, and what, a, what yeah. an iconic player as well. Uh, Francis was another star of the 70s. I've just recently purchased another couple of books of the 70s. Uh, Rodney Marsh and, uh, and Charlie George. Again, in my library. One of these days, I may well get round to reading them. But you know the way I look <laughs> at it? I look at it like this. Uh, Andy, 
When they yeah. wrote a book many years ago, there isn't going to be many books left in circulation. So mm-hmm. I, if I go onto a site and I see that there's one to purchase, I go and purchase yeah. rather than they're all sold out and there's no books to purchase because sometimes you don't have a rerun. So with all these great yeah. players, I get them, I put them in my library, and yeah. if I do retire one of these days, I'm just going to sit down, just drink all day and read books. Yes. <laughs> You're right, though. There's there's many great books um, that um, come off the top of my head. You can't buy them all. No, um, you know, you can't buy. You, you can you can buy them through yeah. lots of. Um, eBay, etc., yeah. and places like that. So yeah. I mean, you can get used actually through Amazon as well. But uh, some of them you you're paying more than uh, you can pay a fair work if it's, uh, it's a really popular book. Oh, you pay a couple of them in good for some of them. Yeah, I mean it's absolutely ridiculous the prices that you pay. <laughs> so I have a look. Is yeah. there a book about? Yes, there is. How much? All right, that's decent. I mean, I did um, purchase Peter Doherty's autobiography from 1947. But I mean, sadly, that didn't arrive. But you know, these things happen. Yeah. And Andy yeah. Gray's book, Grey Matters, that never arrived as well. But generally speaking, they do arrive, and I spend an awful lot There's of money it. on football books yeah. that I don't read. What else have you read this month? Because I have read well, about twenty-three pages of Get It On. <laughs> yeah. And I did well, read all those pages of John. Yeah. What also just on the funny you should mention Francis Lee. It's his birthday yeah. today, by the way. So oh, uh, um, on the yeah, Francis Lee. Yeah, he's. Um, I think it was born on twenty ninth of April, nineteen forty four. So uh, I thought I'd mention that. So uh, I, old. I, I, yeah, <laughs> that's it. So uh, just by coincidence, I mentioned him. So, uh, but um, yeah. So uh, another book I recommended in my recent newsletter. So alongside um, uh, the Billionaires Club that I mentioned earlier. Uh, this is slightly different because it's not your traditional book, but it's the got the got not got football yep. gift book. Yeah, uh, and lots of it, isn't there? Um, oh yeah, and it's by the great uh, Derek Hammond and Gary Silky. Uh, and now um, uh, they uh, now I think they're I think it's their own publishing company, Conquer Editions. Yes. Uh, but this particular one is brilliant. It's um, uh, the subtitle of Every Fan's Catalogue of Desires, and it's basically. Uh, you know, uh, it's nostalgic look back through all those um, collectors' items. So, obviously, you've got your Sabutio, uh, you've got, um, like, foot- when you used to have footballers on cereal boxes. Yeah. <laughs> got yep. great images in there. Uh, great kits, like you talked about, the Admiral one as well, uh, and the, the various merchandise. And uh, do you remember the collection coins as well? Yes, I so remember this Yeah. yeah. You remember them? So yeah. you got a collection of the World Cup 1970. So a lot of people used to collect them, etc. Um, your Panini stickers are mentioned in here, but it's uh, it's one of those. It's a brilliant book. You can just um, just sit and look at the pictures throughout it, and you're just lost in time, really. They did uh, and, 72 uh, cent Henry Cup final as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was yeah lots of. Um, Lots of reminiscing in his book, so I recommend that, yeah, definitely. If you want to, uh, a bit of, um, you know, if you don't want to do some reading the words, just look through it, the pictures, etc. It's um, brilliant, really good. Uh, another book I mentioned um, as one of the other, because I recommend three recommended reads, um, was uh, Quite Genius, yeah. uh, Bob Paisley. Yeah. Uh, about Bob Paisley, sorry. So written by uh, Ian Herbert. 
Uh, it's a great read, and um, yeah, and about a great. Well, he was a quiet man, wasn't he, in the flat cap, who swept domestic European opposition aside, and uh, arguably produced one of the greatest clubs teams uh, that Britain's ever known. So his his record, you know, twenty he recorded twenty honours um, in nine seasons. They include six league titles, three league cups, three European cups, UEFA Cup, Super Cup. You know, and the fact that he took over from Bill Shankly, um, and I think Shankly just won the uh, the 1974 FA Cup final yes, in Liverpool. Yeah. You know, to follow up with someone like a Messiah-like, you know, like Bill Shankly. When you think of like how many people have tried to follow Alex Ferguson, you know, at Old Trafford, no one's, no one's, no one's got close, have they? And the fact that Bob Paisley came in after Shankly and was managed to go on and argue doing, you know, even better. Uh, and he, I know from um, reading his book, obviously, Paisley was quite reluctant to take on the reins. Uh, and uh, he tried to persuade, actually, Shankly to change his mind. He didn't even know Shankly did regret it later in life. Uh, it was not paternal at that time. But it was just, yeah, it's a great read. And uh, quiet genius is what it's called um, about Bob Paisley. Yeah, British, British football's uh, greatest manager by um, another great writer, Ian Herbert. So, uh uh, and it was shortlisted for the Blue Hills Sports Book of the Year back in 2017. So it's been out for a few years now. But um, yeah, that's uh, a really good book I'd recommend out there. And uh, quite genius. So um, yeah. And I think it yeah, was what Matt, a great manager. Yeah, I think it was Matt Busby that uh, helped to bring Bob to Liverpool, mm. as he did with uh, Billy Little as well, because Matt was yeah. there at Liverpool, and it was a toss-up really, whether he was going to be a coach at Liverpool or, or a manager, uh, literally a manager of Manchester United, where uh, yeah. he was allowed to not just create a team, but create a club. And there's a wonderful book by Leo Monaghan, The Three Kings, and a DVD yeah. by Johnny Owen, uh, Busby, yeah. Shankly, Steen, The Makers of Modern Football. And I've just had the pleasure yeah. of cutting a podcast with uh, Leo and oh, I really? have well already, uh, probably 18 months ago, cut a podcast with Johnny Owen as well. So um, I've, right, I've, so I've got the both, the book and the DVD. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, those three were kings and they were the makers of modern football. I know that there is a book about, I won't buy it, I won't give it a mention, because it is about 1992, the makers of modern football. I'm sorry, you didn't make what? modern football in 92. You stole <laughs> football in 1992. These fellas made it in 92. Yeah, they'll get me started. I must have been reading an article just earlier today when I was thinking back to that book, The Billionaires Club. Yeah. Because um, uh, we're changing the format of the Champions League, aren't we, from next season or the season after that. To get him introduced in this kind of um, where if there's a club um, that's won it recent history, they'll be automatically able to qualify for the Champions League. But even that, the history is based on the last so many years. You're not going back to like, you know, your Aston Villas, you're not in the Forest, you know, they won it in the 70s. It's just absolutely, I don't know, just, I mean, to talk about just enraged with how football is nowadays. I don't know if, I don't know if you've seen the story. I don't know if you know what I'm referring to. Have you yeah, seen it? I, I they're, just they're, they're revising basically how the tournament works. So uh, yeah. it's just this time last year, we talk, there was an absolute outrage about European Super League. Sorry, I'm going off on one. But no, I'm you're like, absolutely but, right, Andy, because but, this is 
the European yeah. Super League by stealth. Yeah. That's what yeah. they've done when they started yeah. the Champions League. They want to have the cake and eat it, and then they yeah. get managers like Klopp, etc., etc., that moan about they play too many games. They do not play too many games domestically. They play too many games internationally and in European competition, but they never have a moan about that because they will not, they will never bite the hand that feeds and it is immoral. They're trying to rewrite all the history books and uh, I will get those books of modern day football and throw it on a funeral pyre. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It just absolutely rages me, some of the things they talk about modern football. And, uh, I, yeah, there is certain books, like, you know, like the ones you mentioned, I've seen, God, I think. I can't even bother wasting my time reading it, to be quite frank. No, it's just so, it's just such a short visit, kind of thing. And I, I know you might, I don't know, sometimes you might sound a bit bitter, kind of when I think when I was younger, you know, people would say football was better in my day, kind of thing. But, honestly, it really was better in my day. I don't know how else to put it. So, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, actually. The quality of the football, sorry, I'll backtrack a little bit. The quality of football is, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, um, some of the football some you watch is, Liverpool, yeah. Manchester. Some of it is, yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's, again, it's no, no real better than it was, kind of thing, but also, you know, the whole, um, yeah, European Super League, when I saw that, because it's going to happen, isn't it? That, that, um, of course it will. That this, um, yeah, that these bigger clubs based on uh, their recent history of, I just absolutely bonkers. You know, the fact that fair play, there's no, they talk about fair play. I know it's no talked about in UEFA. What is that? They're interested talking about fair play. Fair play doesn't exist. It's about getting the yeah. maximum coin that they can yeah. for the big clubs, and it <laughs> will happen, the European Super League. I don't. Yeah care how they wrap it up or in what paper they wrap it up in but it will be and we will probably well probably not you but i'll probably be dead by the time that it starts so it's one of them (laughs) arguments i go do you know what he was right (laughs) but it's one of them that you can no it'll never happen you can never say never because football is all about money and greed these days yeah but we like to stay in the ballpark of when football was the beautiful game. And another yeah. book I want to give a mention to is The Armistice Day Killing by Colin Brown. is a dramatic oh, yeah. story of the death of the only English professional footballer deemed by law mm. to have been murdered a key member of Aston Villa's 1923 all-star mm. team, Tommy Ball. And I have that on yeah. order, so I'm looking forward to... Uh, to receiving that because that's what I like to look at and you know yeah. not so much read looks look the pictures that, yeah that looks a fascinating story that does so I, I, I have no idea of that story at all but it looks uh, you know it's um, again coming out of our pictures and the pitch publisher absolutely it, uh, um, yeah so Colin Brown in fact he's from um, Salt in Birmingham I've no uh, idea and, but uh, I'm going to get older yeah. Colin and uh, do he a is. podcast yeah. with him. I mean, he don't know that yet, but he will. But uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, and again, I I get called. I, mean, I get called all things to be quite truthful. But most people think I'm a Villa supporter, but I'm not. I'm just I'm obsessed with football. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And the history of Aston Villa, I think he's fantastic. They're a founder member of the Football League. McGregor was yeah. deemed the father of the Football League. I think Villa Park yeah. is the most fantastic football ground in the Football League. And the history yeah. of Villa, I think, is something that is on my doorstep. And I like to have a look at mm. and make podcasts. And with former players, I've done one with Tony Morley, with Peter Wiz, with Brian Little, uh, with Sir Dennis. And, mm. and we've covered a lot of ground from Villa winning the league, winning the European Cup. And some of those glory nights, Andy Gray being another one, when they absolutely smashed Liverpool in 1976-77 season when they won the yeah. League Cup. But were very close to winning the treble. And had they have beaten Birmingham City, my team, they would have or they could have won the league because you've got another four points there, so you're playing from a different position. I.e., when you score a goal, you, you're more buoyant. When you concede the goal, yeah. it's a different uh, reflection of the game that unfolds, and I think it's the same as with the season. When you've got them yeah. points on uh, in, in the bag, you can play a little bit more flamboyantly. But there are many Villa yeah. supporters that would say that that 76-77 season, Villa played the mm. best football ever. Yeah, I've got a fabulous history, haven't I, Villa? No, so, absolutely. Uh, and again, when you mentioned Villa Park, uh, again, if we want to remember this as well, that should still be an FA Cup semi-final venue, but there you go. Well, it that. would be if, um, <laughs> if the Premier League didn't didn't like yeah. steal the soul out of, out of football, because if the FA had any backbone, they would still yeah. play the semi-finals at iconic stadia like Villa Park, yeah. like Hillsborough. Okay, we had that in '89 with 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 the Hillsborough yeah. uh, disaster. But you know, yeah. I think that cup semi-finals should be played mm. on neutral grounds. And when you get through to Wembley, that is the magic of the cup. Yeah. You play the final after the season has finished, and that brings yeah. the curtain down on the domestic football season. I don't like this. You've got a full league programme while the FA mm. Cup final is being played of a night. Honestly, yeah. does my head. No, absolutely. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So, um, could I just mention then, because you mentioned that book, um, uh, The Armistice Day Killing, that comes yep. out um, in May. There was one that came out this month, um, again, it's after Villa related actually, so just to segue on that in, it came out this month uh, in April, 
was the life and death. I think we mentioned it on our last yes, podcast. Yeah, the life yeah, and death of Andy Ducat by yep. uh, Jonathan Northall. Yeah, uh, that's a. Uh, I've not read it myself yet, but it's a fast. It looks a fascinating, captivating biography of one of England's uh, earliest sporting heroes. So, uh, but he, um, in football terms, he captained Aston Villa to a FA Cup glory in 1920. Yes, so he may well know uh, actually about Tommy Ball, who's that book that we just referred to, the Armstrong. Dave Cummings, he was uh, a key member of the team um, a few years later in 1923. But, uh, but yeah, Andy Ducat, um, he was a, yeah, one of the select band of men who represented England at both football and at cricket level as well. And uh, as well as playing for Aston Villa, he made uh, Arsenal's greatest uh, 50 players, greatest ever 50 players. And um, yeah, and he scored more than 20, <laughs> this is in cricket terms, not goals, 23,000 uh, first-class runs, uh, and he played for Surrey. Uh, and um, I think, I think uh, yeah, ultimately his death was untimely um, in 1942, whilst he was playing at Lords. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's it. So, um, but uh, lots of fascinating reads. Yeah, that particular one by Jonathan Northall. Absolutely. Uh, and Richard Whitehead mm. has a fantastic connection to that book as well. Because, um, you know, right. R- Richard is a massive Villa supporter. Richard oh, Whitehead right. knows everything about football. And when I was having a <laughs> chat with him before, the man yeah. is an encyclopedia. He oh, is yeah, one of yeah. the go-to people in football. What Richard doesn't know isn't worth knowing. And he's forgotten yeah. more than I'll ever know about football. And that's what I love <laughs> about what we do talking to yeah. football people that write books and has, if it wasn't for people like Richard and John Sperling and all the other authors and writers that we mention, our game would not be able to be passed on to the next generation because in many cases we didn't see those players play but we can read about them and they bring these yeah. people to life and thank you all to the, all the football authors and writers yep. for doing that and educating me. I've learned so much uh, from you all. The one and only Jimmy yep. Groves by Norman Giller. Another one, yeah. Giller the Filler. Um, phenomenal uh, writer of, uh, of yeah. football. Again, Norman has forgotten more than what I'll ever know. The authorised biography <laughs> by the man who knew him best. I mean, Norman knows absolutely everything about Tottenham in particular. England, yeah. Jimmy Greaves, uh, football per se, he's an absolute beast. And writes for uh, Backpass magazine and l- the most recent issue, issue 79, I have it here. Um, and it's uh, the Professional Football Association back it as, as well. And on the front is the iconic picture in 1956 of Tom Finney at Stamford Bridge called The Splash. I believe outside Preston North End's ground there's a statue of that. And when you look at that picture of the splash, it really is a splash. It's arguably the most iconic (laughs) football photograph ever. And it was photographed the year in 1956. Yeah, excellent. Jimmy, just going back to Norman Gillier. So uh, do you know um, uh, what I saw about um, he's bringing the book out, the one and only Jimmy Greens? He's all for our biographies. He's a good friend of um, Jimmy Green's by all accounts yeah. as well. Yeah, it was. Uh, did you know how many books? Well, I saw it said about the author. Do you know how many books 
Norman Gilly has actually written. Gilly's gone over 100. Yeah, 118. Yeah, he's gone 118 over 100. Books. And then the blokes are, the blokes are beast. I struggle to write 118 uh, sentences, let alone books. So, Andy, uh, <laughs> Andy, I couldn't write 118 words. <laughs> Gilly is an absolute beast. I mean, again, yeah. he's, he's another... Uh, Paul Trevelyan, I've, I've cut a, a recent podcast yeah. with Paul about sock tags and, um, you know, his book about uh, Leeds United, a massive Tottenham fan. Uh, another wonderful two hours of, of talking to Paul Trevelyan. Football is littered with so many intelligent and interesting yeah. people that have wonderful stories and write wonderful stories about the game of football. And, you know, I can only bow down to their superior knowledge. I wish I was yeah, half the person that they are. <laughs> absolutely. Well, one that's uh, making his debut in books, um, and again about football history, is a book that's coming out that I'll mention. It's called The Shallow, uh, The Shadow, I hope I've pronounced yeah. it correct, but it's been In the Shadow of Ben Bulban. And it's about Dixie Dean Dixie, when yep. he played uh, at Sligo Rangers. Yep. So it's by a guy Paul Paul Little. Uh, he's an Irish freelance writer making his debut as a solo artist in the world of books. Uh, and um, but but basically, yeah, in January 1939, just months after hanging up his boots and a few weeks into his new career as a talent scout, um, Dix, well William Ralph Dixie Dean to give him his full name, uh, received a surprise request assist from the far west of Ireland. Um, it's pretty fine the goal scorer of Sligo Rangers um, so it looks a really fascinating story into well an absolute legend of a game isn't it Dixie Dean so uh, obviously a legend very much so at uh, Everton and at Goodison Park so uh, that's an interesting book that's coming out uh, and again yeah it's, it's as it says here it's a romantic tale of divine intervention and canny time in drama on and off the pitch it's the tale of Dixie Dean's four months with a bit of red that was to leave an indelible mark on the player, the club, and the town. So that's Dixie Dean at Sligo Rangers, uh, so, Rovers, sorry, Sligo Rovers. Um, yeah, again, coming out by Pitch Publishing. Yeah, it's one that has, uh, has in, caught my yeah. eye. It's a lovely cover as mm. well, isn't it? You know, it, it's a really lovely, interesting yeah. cover. And of course, yeah. it's a, uh, one of the few players that have scored over 300 goals. So when you wear this on Talk Sport, uh, he scored 100 Premier League goals. Well done. Congratulations. Uh-huh. you got another 200 to get on the same table as the great Dixie Dean. Where, yeah, you know, exactly. one of the all-time greats. And sadly, one that's often overlooked and forgotten. And let's not forget mm. the fact that Dixie once scored 60 goals in the league yeah. season, darlings. Okay. He beat George Canswell's uh, record of 59, although it was second division. And... Um, when Paul Trevilly had asked Dixie about um, his thoughts going into that game, Dixie, yeah. will you score a hat-trick? Because he scored a hat-trick against Arsenal on the final uh, league uh, league game of the season to overtake that. I'm going to leave the answer to... Uh, you, you must find the podcast. Because uh, Paul mm. Trevilly articulately uh, puts it very articulately... How yep. how the great Dixie Dean answered that question, and it's absolutely phenomenal, and in a way yeah. that only Dixie. And he also then took the spirit of Dixie to Don Revie, and um, and again another story. So great podcast, 
don't listen to me when I'm talking. Cut that bit out. Just <laughs> listen to them. They're the intelligent yeah. people. I just hold the microphone or, sorry, the <laughs> phone and just prompt them to get these stories out of them. The Last yeah. Busby Babe by uh, Wayne Barton is another book that's took my another book that I've got, the autobiography yeah. of, uh, of Sammy McElroy, MBE. Yeah, that's it. That came out um, back in March, I think it was, it last month. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, looks, uh, again, we, I think we've mentioned it before, haven't we? Wayne Barton is a prolific writer in his own right. What he doesn't know about Manchester United is not worth knowing. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, and what a, um, yeah, what a, what a great um, player he was as well, Sammy McElroy. Absolutely. So, and played at Stoke City yeah. towards the end of his career uh, with Alan Hudson. Mm. Udi had come yeah. in. Uh, Mickey Thomas had been sold. Udi uh, come in, and and Sammy, after a, a game of five aside, said to Udi, "Thank God you've arrived. <laughs> we've never we've never played football like that for some time." <laughs> and uh, what a player Sammy was. Uh, they had a yeah. decent team. I think they had about seven international football players, and I think they were bottom of the league when Udi arrived. Played his first game against Arsenal with a banner that read, Welcome Home Hoodie, a podcast that I've done about the 84, 83-84 season, I think uh, that was. Right. And, uh, yeah, Alan Hudson goes through it, and uh, Sammy McElroy is a part of that, and the last Busby Babe. And, of course, no, Sammy wasn't a Busby Babe as such when we look at the Babes. Yeah, yeah. Johnny, Johnny Giles was, or rather, John Giles was, when he did join yeah. Manchester United, they called him Johnny. And and he, mm. he told his mum, and they said, well, don't answer him, John. Your name is John. It's not Johnny. His name is <laughs> John Giles. It was only when he joined Manchester United that they called him Johnny. Johnny was there in the time of the Busby Babes. But um, yeah. it was Matt Busby. It was his last signing. Matt actually signed yeah. Sammy McElroy, and that's why it is the last Busby Babe by Wayne uh, Barton. Johan Cruyff by... A A key cock. I hope I've got yeah, his yeah. name right. The, the biography always yeah. on the attack. There's so many books yeah. about Johan Cruyff. What makes this one different? Do you know much about it? I don't know. No? It's coming out again. That's that coming out in a couple of months' time, isn't it? In yeah, June. It is, yeah. So yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know much about the author either. So he's. I've looked at his. He's he's written several bestsellers about in in back in in. He's, yeah. It's from the Netherlands, uh, so he's written several bestsellers. Apparently, he's won a number of prizes. Um, um, so um, yeah, it should be an interesting read. Um, there's been a number of books about Cruyff, uh, you know, but um, yeah, uh, I think so I like the company of Patrick. There's a subtitle about how it's written. It says, "Argumentative, brilliant, arrogant, visionary." Duran Cruyff was one of the greatest footballers of all time, can I? So. Uh, um, so it's been interesting reading another you know, aspects from the biography of his life. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But no, I don't know much about the author, but apart from he's uh, obviously a good writer, looking back at what he's, that he's done. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. So and I think what we'll do on our next podcast, that probably mm. will come in out round about June, about that time, yeah. we'll, um, we'll have a look at some of the books about Johan Cruyff, because... Yeah, yeah, was one of the great players of all time. And his autobiography, uh, My Turn, come out a couple of years ago. There are a number yeah. of other books. So we'll uh, we'll give a shout out to and make Johan Cruyff the focal point of um, 
part eight of our uh, yeah, m- monthly or or bi monthly uh, podcast, yeah. Andy. Um, yeah, next up, the story of Don Ow by David Tossel, hero in the shadows through interviews with players, colleagues, friends, and family. This book examines the triumphs and challenges of Don Howe's career and assesses his contribution to English football. The one word that would spring to my mind when somebody Mm. mentions the word Don Howe is legend. And somebody did say to me, is any related to Eddie Howe? And if you do go on Google search engine or others, it does say that it's his son, but it ain't. I phoned about. I said, no, Al, are they related? He yeah. said, Paul, how long have I known you? Do me a favour. Of yeah. course, they're not bloody yeah, related. They, no. <laughs> no, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. But hey, that, you, you, I've read a number of books going in, and I saw that someone references as well, actually, on Twitter. He, Don Howe's mentioned a lot of other people's books. You know, he had a lot of influence on a lot of people oh, yes. Yeah, uh, over the years. It's it's remarkable, really, to be honest. So, uh yeah, it's really. I'm surprised it's probably taken so long now to uh, see a book very much focused on him. So David Tossel is a great writer as well. But yeah, he's one of England's yeah, English football's great coaches, isn't he? So uh, obviously he helped. Well, he was a right-hand man to three England managers um, in '82. Uh, he helped when uh, obviously England uh, were unbeaten in that World Cup, weren't they? So uh, they played five games, didn't they, in total? Mm. It was a slightly strange format at the time, wasn't it? The '82 was World Cup, yeah. 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 Well, they got the through to that second stage, and they didn't even concede the goal with them on the no, did didn't. they? Indeed. I think we drew nil yeah. with Spain in our last that's game. It. Uh, Brooklyn yeah, and Keegan, it. I believe, were on the bench. Kev wasn't fit, but yeah. um, England managers have always done that. Uh, yeah. Ron Greenwood done that. Bobby Robson replicated it with uh, Brian Robson in yeah, 1986. It, we've done it with Michael Owen. We've done it with Wayne Rooney. We we do yeah. it throughout the ages with our best <laughs> players. And uh, if they yeah. ain't fit, they ain't fit. It ain't going to happen no matter how much you want to wrap it up. But yeah. but Don, our absolute legend. In fact, yeah, Alan yeah. Hudson, Hoodie does not like coaches. If Alan Hudson was to write a book on coaches, it wouldn't be very thick. <laughs> but it would be about one coach, and that's Don A. We love Don. Don, give yeah. him a bit of a bollocking, actually, after the um, 78 um, FA Cup final. Or rather, before, right. I think it was. It was before the, the, the game. Because on the, the night of the game, yeah. the press liked to see who's in the team. And it got leaked out that Alan Hudson was starting and they printed it. Udi was just having a chat with the journalist friend and Don Don wasn't happy. Don wasn't happy with him. And the journalist phoned up and he says, look, I apologise, Don. It wasn't Alan's fault. It was my fault. And uh, and then Don called for a steward's inquiry as to what went wrong in the 78. Uh, FA Cup final. He called it at, at, um, at Highbury on the Monday after, and yeah. he went through the, the team. Started with Pat Jennings, went through to the defensive players, got through to uh, Alan Hudson. You've always got something to say for yourself, Woody. What do you think? And he said it was his fault, pointing at Terry Neal. He picked the wrong team. Terry Neal jumped right. over the physio's table. The players <laughs> just about kept them apart. 
the uh, the meeting was finished. They went out and done a training <laughs> session, and the players were patting Udi on the back, saying he deserved that. We, we all wanted to say that about him and to him, but <laughs> but none of them. And this is what happens: they will say things in the dressing room, but they yeah. won't actually say it to the manager. But Udi did. Yeah. As a consequence, he was on the run from Terry Neal, and if Dono would have come to Arsenal earlier or been there when Huddy arrived, Alan Hudson would have stayed at Arsenal um, and yeah. arguably Arsenal, had they have had Ball, Brady and Hudson could have rewritten yeah. English football history. Yeah, they could have, absolutely. And Howard, um, in the, um, he was part of the um, Arsenal team when they won the double, didn't he, in 71. Yeah, yeah. So he played yeah. a crucial role in, in that part as well. And interestingly, actually, it's something I didn't realise when I looked at the synopsis of the book, he was also part of, he was assistant to Bobby Gold, uh, Bobby Gold, sorry, um, when Wimbledon went on to yeah, that was. shot win in uh, 1988. So yeah. it's just amazing, isn't it, how one coach, you know, over a span of all that, what, you're thinking about 71 to 88, 17 years, and, you know, and influencing the... Um, the 82-86 World Cup in between. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Such one man had such a uh, influence on English football. He's incredible, Don Howe. Absolutely. Really what, a, what, a, what a great man. And, uh, mm, absolutely. And, as I say, uh, he doesn't speak that all of coaches, but he does of Don Howe. You mentioned... Well, well, it all, then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the, the title by Scott Murray, the story of the First Division. That's another... Yep. Uh, book that um, I wanted to briefly uh, talk about. It was in my list to talk about. Another one, yep. Sexton for God by Tim Rolls. Looks at how he brought cup glory to Chelsea <clears throat> and the games mm. played under Dave Sexton in the 19, well, from 1967 to 71 period. I mean, Al always says that Dave was a great coach, but not yeah. a football manager. And being a manager really was, was Dave Sexton's downfall. I know he'd done reasonably well at, at QPR, but I think that if you yeah. look at Dave's career, he would always be renowned more as a coach. So we were talking yeah. about coaches we've done out. And I think Dave Sexton was one of the great coaches. In fact, when um, when Ron, I believe when Ron went to uh, Aston Villa, he had Dave Sexton mm. as, a, as a coach with the Villa working with the kids which was something that when Ron went to Villa as a as a as a young kid, um, mm. it was the um, the great Jimmy Hogan that was Ron's first coach, and then when yeah. he went from intermediate to reserve team, and the step up with the other coach with the old flat cap, he go forget what Tip Taps told you, just give it some altitude. <laughs> so there's different <laughs> levels of coach. I think Sexton was a great coach, but I would question yeah, really? his managerial credentials. Yeah, he started off as a coach at Chelsea, um, football by all accounts. So uh, um, before he moved on to uh, his manager career, started the Leighton Orient. Um, yeah, and then went on. So uh, obviously won the European Cup, won the Cup, didn't he, with Chelsea? Seventy-one, yeah. Uh, Seventy-one, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just got a bunch of another coach while you're talking to coaches as well. They've got the big come out last month. Uh, it's uh, Tony Carr. Uh, yeah. This is a a lot of time football at West Ham United. So, uh, uh, and this is a book I was sent out, sent to me by Icon Books, the publishers. Uh, and, um, well, Tony Carr, again, is one of these, um, uh, well, basically, he uh, he, play, he played and then he, he had a 
short football career, played alongside the likes of uh, Bobby Moore, um, but then moved into coaching at quite a young age. Um, but he was estimated to produce talent worth an estimated 80 million. Now, this is not the modern day kind of numbers, but 80 million in transfer fees, which included um, the 23 man England squad for the 2010 World Cup, including no less than seven players. They were uh, Rhea Ferdinand, Frank Lampard, Joe Cole, Michael Carrick, mm. Jermaine Defoe, Glenn Johnson, John Terry. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of money there in modern days, but even now, I know that's. We're talking, what, 10 years ago, but as we all know, money's even gone even more mad in that short period. Uh, but yeah, Tony Carr, that's his book that uh, came out um, uh, last month. So yeah, he's um, yeah, his boy of dream was signing for West Ham United, and obviously training alongside Bobby, Bobby Moore, etc. Um, yeah, that's his book. So a unique uh, career. Um, yeah, where he really honed his craft in the coaching world. Absolutely. Abrigado, a football epic by David Kilpatrick is a, another book I want to give a, a little mention to. Yep. Do, do you know much about that book or about David? Uh, no, it doesn't, off the top of my head, no. I'm honest, Dave. Paul, sorry, no, I don't really think about too much, sorry. What was the book, sorry? I didn't it's quite catch a, you then, sorry. Abrigado, a football epic by, uh, by right. David uh, Kilpatrick. Uh, David did... Um, Engage with us on um, Book Corner on uh, on Twitter. I do like to oh, yes. engage with yeah. the authors, and and you know we will give your books a shout uh, out. Yeah. So uh, yeah, David did, and uh, we've just given it a shout out. Abrigado, great yeah. name, Abrigado. Yeah, it does, it means, it? yeah, but it's a lovely word, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds a good one. Yeah, I recognise yeah. your name, so uh, I think you might have contacted yourself as well. So uh, I'll certainly give it a look. So yeah, we'll give him a shout out as well. Absolutely. Yeah, well, that that exceeds my capabilities in the the fifteen <laughs> books that I had written down. <laughs> what else have you got for us? And, and yeah. I, do, I do like the fact that um, when Saturday comes and Backpass Magazine and World Soccer and yeah. lots of other publications give out um, a couple of pages to uh, to promote yeah. football books. So, you know, the more people that are promoting the books, uh, the better. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, I'll give a few shout out to some books I've received as well. Um, the one I've got here is Barcelona, but it's it's about the greatest day in the history of Rangers. Uh, FC. So, Barcelona, um, when they won the European uh, Cup Winners' Cup in yeah. 1972. So, okay. um, and it's quite a good time as well. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure of the deal for. Author Tom Miller um, planned it quite well, didn't he? Considering Rangers are in the semi-final, aren't they? The, um, which yes, I they are. The, 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 the tournament the, now, the, the, the Europa League. League, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so, uh, Leipzig. I mean, in them days, yeah. it would have been Locomotive Leipzig, but it's RB now. Yeah. It's Red Bull. It's slightly different yeah. in Germany. It's um, one United country. Whereas, um, I believe Leipzig was in the East, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, but this is and uh, so this is so what fifty years on then. Mm. So, uh, so twenty twenty two will mark the fiftieth anniversary of the greatest victory in the history of Rangers uh, Football Club. Um, what was interesting when I was doing a bit of research around this particular book is that um, 
Um, I didn't. I forgot. I forgot they played their final in 1967. Five years before, it was. Uh, it was on the same night, or was it a few days before when Celtic famously won in Lisbon okay. in 1967 against Inter Milan? I don't. I, I didn't recall that it was such a short time frame between those two playing. Well, yeah, Rangers were in the the sorry UEFA Cup. It would have been then, and then uh, Celtic played in the. Yeah, the European Cup, um, just a few days later, um, which is remarkable, isn't it? Really, it, it's you know, in terms it certainly of, is. I mean, the Lisbon yeah. Lions. I mean, <laughs> arguably, <laughs> arguably wow. the greatest achievement ever by British football wow. club. You know, Bobby Bobby I, yeah. Lennox was a was an outsider. who was a foreigner. who was born in Ayrshire, <laughs> but all the rest yeah. of the fellas born within what ten mile of of Paradise Parkhead. Incredible. It's a that will it's never, a... Be, never be replicated. It, 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 it is phenomenal when you think about, you know, we've talked about modern day football, etc. The ball from all over all parts of, yeah. well, not just the country of Europe, the world, but they all pulled it from, what, from, all from the area of, uh, in and around Glasgow, weren't they? Yeah, and absolutely. It's remarkable, isn't it? They went to the right from the top and won the European Cup. It's a remarkable story, isn't it? Uh, that particular one. But, uh, so that, yeah, that's the book. Um, uh, Tom Miller, um, Barcelona. It's by uh, Black and White Publishing. Uh, another shout out for um, a book I received is uh, Aberdeen FC. Uh, this is by, by by Peter Elliott. Yeah. And it's um, it's one very much for fans of uh, football programs. Uh, and as I'm sure you know, lots of uh, people uh, love the football programs and uh, still collect them now. Uh, and this is a definitive guide for uh, Aberdeen home programmes during the 1980s. So arguably, uh, probably their greatest uh, uh, time in their history, isn't it, Aberdeen? Is again linking it to European when they won it in 1983, I'm thinking, off the top of my head. It was in Gothenburg, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was Alex round Ferguson. about that time. And you could argue yeah. that that was, I mean, that really catapulted Ferguson. Um, in, into the the limelight, and um, yeah. you know, was was one of the reasons that uh, well, probably was the reason that he got the Manchester United job, uh, following yeah. Ron Atkinson in nineteen eighty six. But uh, when you look at the the stronghold of Scottish football, and you just alluded mm. to Celtic and Rangers both being European yeah. uh, competitions and, and winning respective competitions you know Celtic and Rangers have always been the dominant force and for a period yeah. of time Aberdeen got in between yeah. them and 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 Ferguson uh, being a former Rangers man as well was a yeah. fantastic feat and and again probably probably a feat that will never ever be repeated yeah well sadly the gap just is forever as well and so it's always it's always a big gap, isn't it? Which is just saying, isn't it? Really, right at the top, but uh, that's the way English football seems to go in the moment with uh, Liverpool and Manchester. Yeah, anyway, hopefully not too much. So uh, you see, like Bayern Munich winning again for ten years, and the top didn't they the other day? The Bundesliga. So, uh, but going back to this book, yeah, Aberdeen. Um, this is about football programs, and I love program uh, football program designs as well over the years. So uh, uh, everyone loves a football program. If you've not been to a game for a while, you tend to pick up the program. Don't and you can um, find out what's happening in the club and what have you so um, <coughs> this is certainly 
a book for fans of um, programmes, certainly for Aberdeen FC. Absolutely. I think the programmes in them days were probably only about 10 pence, wasn't they? Whereas now they're about three and a half, four quid, and they? Some of them might be a fiver or more in uh, certain parts of the country. But I I do believe programmes these days have got more input from fans, etc. They they do tend to incorporate a little bit of the the wisdom of the fanzine rather than back in probably the 90s. Day and and certainly when the Premier yeah. League had started, there's so much commercialism and uh, mm. just corporate sponsors, and it was almost like one of these um, circulars that you get through the the door where you look yeah. at a you know it's your local magazine. It's not; it's just advertising yeah. various trades. But I think yeah, there's a little yeah, bit no, more it's... content these days in football programmes. Yeah, you were right, though. I remember um, when I uh, picked up your football program, it was all the local company, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> wasn't it in the area? It'd be right down to the local painter and uh, someone would come around and uh, do your plumbing, etc. Just look at the prices of the programs, actually. So I'm just fascinated to, to have a look. So in 1980, the Aberdeen uh, program was 30p. <laughs> uh, by the end of that uh-huh. century, uh, by the end of that decade in 1990, it gone up to 70p. So it hardly changed that in 10 years, but it's certainly gone up now. <laughs> so like you say, I'm sure it's around about yeah, £2.53. Pound. I um, used to love the programmes. Can I just interrupt? Sorry to interrupt you there. But yeah. in the old yeah. programmes in the 70s, we used to have the Football League review in the programme as well. And I used to think that yeah. was fantastic. I'd go to Birmingham City, I'd buy the programme, and inside the programme, you had the Football League review. You open that, the centre spread, and there was always a football team. Always yeah, football, yeah. Fantastic. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the next book um, I had received uh, again came out last month is through Pick Publishing. This is the director's tale. Uh, this is by uh, John, uh, sorry, Dave Thomas, uh, and it's about the subtitle of yeah. John Bond Burnley yeah. and the dies of a director Derek Gill. So I've not had a chance to read it as yet, but it does look a fascinating story, and I do recall. Uh, uh, John Bond, if you um, remember as well, he had an infamous um, season there uh, back in the early eight, uh, the 80s. I forget exactly when it was, maybe 82, 83, but he had a soldier season in charge uh, and uh, he spent a lot of money and he was blamed a waste of a lot of money as well and they got relegated and uh, I seem to recall, I remember when it, uh, he took uh, he was a manager, it might be Shrewsbury, and he took them back to Burnley, so he's managing Shrewsbury about 10 years later, and he was advised to stay away. So uh, the Burnley fans are never forgetting, never forgetting uh, for how he, um, yeah, uh, took back, because arguably he was one of the reasons why Burnley collapsed down the leagues and went down to Division 4 very quickly in that period. So, um, he, but he, this took is Joe the... Gallagher. he took Joe Gallagher from West Ham, because Joe had, yeah. um, had been transferred from Birmingham City to Wolverhampton yeah. Wanderers. And they didn't have the best of times at Wolves. Actually, got sacked for um, yeah. for for not a, well. They they were doing a, a promo shoot for a, <laughs> a new sponsor, and Joe refused to to go on there because the players wasn't going to do it. But Dugan come into the dressing room, got into the faces of all the players, and to yeah. a man, they they got dressed, put the kit on, and Joe said, "Where are you going?" And they said, well, we're going to do do the, the photo shoot now. And Joe said, oh, OK, you carry on, guys. Didn't. And then 
got ready for training, done the training session. Next day when he turned up for training, said, you need it in the secretary's office, Joe. And they said, yeah, no no problem. Uh, Joe, there's your training kit. Okay, you've, you've been sacked. And Joe, <laughs> Joe was sacked for uh, for yeah. not, not going on that photo shoot. But um, he then he then was struggling to find a club. Now whether mm. it was the fact that Derek Dugan was so so popular and your name gets bandied around and sometimes gets blackballed, we don't yeah. know. But it was yeah. some time, and then John Lyle was struggling with some injuries, and he phoned up Joe. Joe thought it was the lads having a laugh, but um, he yeah. said, "No, it's John Lyle." <laughs> Turned up at his house in Sheldon, in Birmingham. And that signed Joe for West Ham United. But, you know, with all the players, at Billy Bonds and um, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, Frank Lampard and that, coming back to full yeah. fitness, Joe was a little bit surplus to requirements and he wanted a decent contract. And, and John Bond gave him that at Burnley. So Joe went yeah. up there to uh, Burnley Football Club. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember reading them. Um... Uh, Brian uh, uh, Laws, um, he started his career at Burnley and he was there for a number of years. But uh, I think it was only two months in, Bond had got rid of him and he was sold off to Huddersfield. And uh, well, Laws then went on to play for Brian Clough's and Arnold Forest, didn't he? So in um, the top flight. And he went on to some great things. But that book, yeah, it's a director's tale. So it's the story of Burnley Football Club in the early 1980s. Uh, and it's, uh, it says here, special access to the diaries of director Derek Gill. Um, Dave Thomas, the author, brings you the unvarnished inside story revealing what went on behind the scenes amid the conflicts with Chairman John Jackson and the manager John Bonds. Uh, these were torrid times involving at first a surprise promotion and then a relegation and then John Bonds' departure and another relegation. So uh, uh, I always like these stories, stories that you probably you know, you'd never know until someone there picks it up and tells you exactly what they go on and some of the stories that went in the boardroom and uh, the toxic mix you can always get. Um, Personalities, I'd say. Um, so another book, uh, again, just to shout out, else from Pitch, I've been sent, is Goodison Memories yeah. um, by Steve. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, you pronounce his surname because I always struggle with Zoetis. <laughs> I was hoping you'd jump in then. No, Steve, yeah. <laughs> Steve's a good lad. He follows Everton absolutely yeah. everywhere. In fact, he yeah, um, recently he'd had a, a picture taken with Terry Curran, and I was talking to Terry about Steve, and he's a phenomenal yeah. Evertonian. Um, oh, yeah. I'm hoping you know for people like Steve that Everton stay up, they're a great football club. But yeah, it's yeah. Um, and and he has worked really hard because I've been in touch with him, and uh, I've put him in touch right. with a couple of players that. Uh, because a lot of the players have given their memories and not just Evertonians and Everton players yeah. but players that had played at Goodison and, and their memories yeah. so that'll be a fantastic read that will yeah yeah no, absolutely Zoch I'm going to say Zoch it's Z-O-C-E-K so yeah, it's a funny Zoch I don't know where he got far. that from I mean it, 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 yeah. it must be some far. it ain't Scouse is it that well, I it don't sound like a Scouse <laughs> no uh, it like it, but uh, uh, yeah he, he says actually he's donating all them. Um, his royalties from his book and, and his previous two books as well and to Everton former Players Foundation charity but, yeah, uh, but I've had a quick glance he's a good lad yeah so I've had a quick glance through it and uh, the forwards by John Watson uh, and it's it's an interesting read because it seems to be it's, well, it's written by a number of players so whether it be 
yeah. um, Everton players, but also uh, opposition players, but also um, TV people. There's, there's famously one bit in it. I, uh, I did have a glance at it because the the uh, the TV uh, sorry the commentators uh, box at Goodison is quite famous in terms of because you have to go up a, a ladder yes. and then go through the top of the stands there. Then go for a hole. So I bet I wouldn't do that. I don't like heights. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, I wouldn't. Yeah, I remember. I did actually. You, you might find it somewhere on YouTube. There was definitely someone um, from I think Marvis Sky or something like that. They did a, a bit like a video of showing you the, the route up to the gantry. My God, it looks doesn't look like health and safety nightmare trying to get up there. Uh, but yeah, what a what a ground though, isn't it? Goodison Park. If you've ever been there, it's um, yeah, it's just um, yeah. I know they've moved to a new stadium, don't they? Uh, I think it's in time for the tw- not next season, but the season after the 24-25 season to move to that new stadium of the banks, the banks of the Mersey. Um, well, I think they're hoping but, uh, to. I mean, whether they can still find well, it with the well, money not not there any longer, who knows? It's it's mad yeah. times, but let's hope that they can find um, sponsors and people that are going to put money into it because it does look a fantastic project, doesn't it? That Everton are, yeah. um, you know, embarking on. But it'd be a shame, though, wouldn't it, to go to some park? Well, because it's just a, it's one of those iconic grounds, isn't it? And it is, um, yeah, absolutely. I know, lovely, I know they're, all, they're all lovely. These new, I've never been to, I've not been to the new Tottenham ground, but from what I gather, it's incredible that new stadium in terms of it's got you know so many bars uh, and um, yeah, etc. It sounds incredible, but I don't know. There's something about these old grounds as well. It's still, yeah, it's a shame that they're going to be replaced over time. But I suppose that's. that's that's, that's the times, isn't it? Things move it's on. Sadly, <laughs> is, yeah, because there's the church, yeah. and they're in inside um, Goodison, and and then you yeah, know the girls come it. round, don't they? The old, yeah, uh, you know, clothes and give out Everton's toffees and stuff, and yeah, you know that that tradition is, is all too easily being eroded, and you know, wish yeah. football clubs yeah. would stay there and. You know, let's take the seats out, put the terraces back and get the crowds in there and, you know, do all that you can to stay within your or at your spiritual home because that's where football was started. And, you know, I suppose I'm a bit of a romantic at heart with that football or anything. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Same here, absolutely. So uh, it'll be a big uh, moment if they do move uh, from Cuddleston Park, certainly. Um, so, yeah, that was a few books that I just wanted to shout out. Um, a couple of others that I'll give a, a mention to um, is one that came out last month and um, was um, uh, by David Potter called uh, Newcastle United, The Great Days, yeah. um, from 1904 to 1911. So, uh, and again, the list of um, what Newcastle achieved during those early years is, well, pretty remarkable. And in fact, I've got it here because I was going to mention it. Um, the, the records that they did, they won the league in three occasions uh, during the nine, 1900s, so they went in 1905, 1907, 1909. During that, they lost to Aston Villa in the 1905 FA Cup final. They lost again the year after in the 1906, again in 1908, but then won it in 1910. So, yeah, I've just rattled, I've just rattled off a number of years yeah. then where they won the league or in the FA Cup final. So, Remarkable, really, isn't it? And uh, with the money that's coming into that club, that will probably come again, will it now? So, uh, so times have changed there. Yeah, uh, possibly. Possibly. Mm. Um, 
football is a different ball it's game, it. sadly, these days. But yeah. Newcastle were one of the great teams in, in in world football back back in those days. So a wonderful yeah. book. There, um, yeah. remembers those uh, those halcyon days. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, um, sorry, there was another one I was going to mention. Just a couple of those there's books that's coming out next month. Uh, there's one called Broken Dreams, sorry, Brawls, Bribes and Broken Dreams, and it's about how Dundee almost won the European Cup. So uh, this is going back to 19... Uh, I hope I get my numbers right. Uh, dates right, 1962. It's going to say around uh, the early 60s, wouldn't it, with Dundee? Yeah, Who's yeah, written? that's it. It's written by Gra- Graham Strachan. So, okay. uh, he's the group head of a stalger uh, at BC Thompson, which writes for online and print articles. It's coming out through Pitch Publishing, this book. So uh, he's written books before as well. He's also part of a filmmaking team behind the Courier's uh, Kinesia documentary, which was made to mark the 20 years since the Argentinian superstar. He signed for Dundee in uh, oh, right, October yeah, 2000. That, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, Paddy Barkley's so, a big Dundee fan, isn't he? You know, He is, Paddy yeah. Barkley, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, he is. And he mm. does the forward. For this book, actually, oh, okay. there's a forward yeah. for this one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, it absolutely is. So uh, no, they got um, they got to the semi-finals uh, of the European Cup in that year, um, and they lost out to. I'm trying to find it here. I think it might have been Bayern Munich. Uh, they won the second leg, one nil at Dundee, mm-hmm. but they lost the first leg for five um, one. Yeah, it's a lot to get back, yeah. isn't there, and gather from <laughs> yeah. one defeat in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not too sure about the second leg. So uh, in terms of uh, how competitive it was, but anyway, <laughs> I, think, I think Coventry City done something uh, similar in the early seventies. Went to Bayern and got absolutely stuffed. But then I think they beat them back at Oldfield Road two one. But the damage yeah. is done when you when you've conceded five in the first leg. They almost bring yeah. over their reserve team, don't they? And it's a a little bit of uh, of a training session for them. Okay. There's not many okay. teams was... against crack sides that can get five goals back. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So it was Milan actually. I've just found it here. So yeah, oh, okay. Milan beat them five one, five one in that first leg mm. in the San Siro, uh, and it was Gilzeen that scored um, the winner for Dundee, Alan Gilzeen in the 81st minute. Mm. So um, yeah, the Scottish um, striker. Um, next month as well um, it's actually due to come out next month but it's actually moved to September but I'll still give it a mention it links into what we were talking about earlier is Hispania 82 A Hazy Shade of Summer yes. by um, the great Stuart Horsfield mm-hmm. who wrote The Fabulous Brazil at 82 and it came out a couple of years back now which is incredible uh, but Hispania 92 yeah it tells the captivating story of the 82 World Cup uh, and um, yeah, and as we talked about earlier, some of the greatest players in the world played in that tournament. Zika, Maradona, obviously, it, it, it was, but he came on to the same in '82. Uh, Platini, did he play that year as well? Platini would have played '82, yeah, I'm sure yeah, he would have. Yeah, 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 that's it. And so, mm. but yeah, so that comes. It was the year of Paolo Rossi, wasn't it? When he scored those, he scored hat trick, didn't he, against Brazil when he yeah. played. I think Italy had pretty much drawn all their group games nil-nil yeah. and qualified yeah. and then played Brazil and it was one of the games of not just the 82 World Cup but the World Cup. But Brazil oh, yeah. were the, well, they were the poster boys. They were fantastic. They'd ripped teams yeah. to pieces. 
but then they um, they played Italy. Yeah, and if you ever want to, if there's anyone out there, any kids that wants to know how to celebrate a goal, just go to no, YouTube no, no. and type in <laughs> Marco Tandelli. Yeah. <laughs> in bunkers, and, um, they? <laughs> they were absolutely mad, didn't they? The, the passion in his face is incredible, isn't it? I can't think of many celebrations quite like that. No, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you can, but, no. I mean, no, Iconic, to say the least. Jim, you certainly Jim, can't with um, uh, no. VAR, sorry, because VAR yeah. nowadays, you... He's not too sure if he can celebrate, but there you go. That's Imagine that with Target Lee and, and, and the rules yeah. about who they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'd exactly. have probably smashed the television setting because he was. was. In fact, the only other goal I remember being celebrated with more vigour and passion was yeah. uh, Diego Armando Maradona when he scored, I think it was the fourth goal against Greece. In uh, in the World Cup, and he come to the the the, yeah, the camera, and I good. thought, blimey, he looks as though he's on drugs. And he was. He was. That was ninety four, wasn't it? Yeah, ninety four. Yeah. Yeah. Blimey, I mean, Maradona then. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> and that segues me into another book uh, to mention that is coming out in May. So uh, by Stephen Scrag. Um, so it's in the heat of the midday sun. Yes. And yeah. it's the story of the 1986 World Cup, which, of course, uh, Diego Maradona is, um, yeah, obviously rightly known for. So, yeah, that's uh, terrible okay, about uh, Maradona in 86. He's a big fan. <laughs> yeah, 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 oh, isn't he? Oh, Steve Hodges as well, isn't he? Oh, 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 they, oh, they love it. Yeah, they love Steve Hodge, them players of 86. They love Steve Hodge. <laughs> but Terry, I went to see Terry Butcher a couple of weeks ago now at the sports bar in, in Wollaston, the Britannia uh, sports bar. And um, I go there quite a lot. Andy Blair does the hosting. I sit down and have my tea with Andy, and, and, and Terry uh, was there that night. So we were having a chat previously. But then when, yeah. um, when he was talking about 1986, I promise you, he's no fan of Maradona. (laughs) No, no fan. And and I asked him, I said, because, you know, we we could ask a couple of questions. And the question I always like to ask on my podcast, my 70s podcast is, you know, if you could replay any game that you played in, what game would you replay? (laughs) Straight away, Bush said, 86, that bastard Maradona. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Again, Again, I think of Barry Davis. Uh, he was doing the commentary, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, "I can." When obviously scored that second goal, he's got a bugger charge to his left, and you know the I can't remember exactly the words he said. But he said after he went in, he said, yeah, "There's no denying that second goal." Uh, there might have been controversy over the first goal, but you can't deny his brilliance for his second. But you see, the thing but, is, with um, that first goal there, I mean, how he actually beats Peter Shilton, who Shilton's about yeah. a foot bigger. In the air, yeah. he's put his arm. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll promise you now, yeah. if Terry Butcher would have been in goal, he would have smashed Maradona. He would have took yeah. him out because he'd have just punched him. I mean, Shilton, yeah. I don't know what Shilton was doing, but, but but without a doubt, listening to Terry, being in Terry's company, he would have took Maradona's head off. And if he could have, <laughs> yeah. he took his legs out as well. Yeah, it's an amazing job because. You would probably imagine he would be on the front of that cover of that book, and it is yeah. on the front. Yeah. Uh, Diego Maradona, you see the way he's up. So I'm looking at him now for a little small man. He's got an incredible leap. Oh, to get up above 
Chilton. It's unbelievable, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so it reminds me of Cristiano Ronaldo in modern day, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He can jump. Incredible I mean, he's seen, seen him after the game, Butch, and he looked at mm-hmm. Maradona and said, yeah. you know, in, in no uncertain terms, what was it? And then um, Maradona actually yeah. pointed to his head. And I think if he'd have pointed to his hand, Butcher would have took him out there and then. Terry, yeah, Terry, yeah. Was, Terry was an absolute yeah. warrior. <laughs> yeah. But Steve Hodges, um, he's put that to his, because uh, he took his shirt, didn't he, after the game, dear, yeah, and I was on his shirt. That was more like uh, the judgment. Yeah, yeah, but he's pretty, I think he's, he's gone up for auction. That's what the auction happened, but uh, I think it was put on initially four million yeah, uh, was the holding, wasn't yeah. it? So, uh, I need to catch up what's happened with that. But uh, but it's coming out, yeah, that's coming out uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Stephen Scragg, again, number one of the great writers from the Central Times, who's wrote a number of brilliant books, um, the trilogy of European football, um, where the cool kids hung out, and the undisputed champions of Europe and frozen in time. So, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's another great book that's coming out in May. Um, so, yeah, yeah, got some great books coming up. Um, we, we certainly have. have you got anything else, sir? Because I've exhausted my capabilities. I love listening to your recommendations, yep. and I'm sure Thank that you, you will be recommending for the next current view next week. I I usually post to you on a Sunday. Really, <laughs> what's Gabby doing this on a Sunday for? But I like to get things done early because we do the podcast on a Tuesday evening, all being well. Uh, this week, yeah. Terry wasn't very well because he'd received um, an induction into the uh, Hall of Fame with the uh, Sheffield Star, the local paper up there in Sheffield. Oh, yeah, he ended right. up in a casino, and TC doesn't usually drink. But, um, I was going to say he doesn't drink. I mean, no, he, had a, insane, yeah. he had a monster of hangovers the day after he phoned well, they did. He says, I can't oh. do it, I'm terrible. So we've done it on the Thursday. <laughs> But no, currently Terry never drinks. I mean, when he when he played all through his career, it was coke. Yeah. But he drunk. He didn't. Um, but he, I mean, he would have a, a couple occasionally. But um, yeah. yeah, when you don't yeah. drink, it really hits you. And Big Ron was up there, and he can drink with the best of them. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me because there is one book I did want to give a shout out just before we wrap up, uh, yep. Paul. There's one I wanted to mention. Uh, it's important to do because it's uh, it's by a guy called uh, Johnny Brick who does uh, provide for me and myfootballbooks.com a number of reviews for book reviews. Okay. He's someone I engaged with in the early days. Yep. He's the founder of uh, another great um, uh, Twitter um, site, which I recommend you go out there and have a look. He's got the Football Library. Um, and that's Johnny Brady. He's got a book coming out next week. Uh, it's called From Kids to Champions. It's a history of the FA Youth Cup. Oh, right. Uh, that's been going since, yeah, since 1952. So, uh, which is showcased future stars, uh, including Sabat Musbin's uh, legendary uh, babes. So, uh, uh, and the Youth Cup um, final itself comes out. It's sorry, is in a couple of weeks' time, um, and it's between Manchester United and my club, Nottingham Forest. And um, so, uh, yeah, and it's going to be played at um, Old Trafford. So, it's the first time Nottingham Forest have ever made the FA Youth Cup final. Uh, and it's the first time for Manchester United, I think, for quite some time as well. So, uh, it is, yeah, so Johnny Dixborn's coming out. And, yeah, for kids, the champions in history of the FA Youth Cup. Uh, uh, just um, from, uh, sorry, reading the summary here. So, for the kids, the champions, tells the stories 
with the players who didn't make it to the top level or left the game disillusioned along with uh, those important coaches and academy directors. Uh, these men are always first with thanks when the kids become champions. So we can all think of, we all know the great footballers that come through the youth level, but there's so many footballers that you've never heard of, you never will hear of, but sadly never make it. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, but, so that's what's a, a really interesting book. So giving a shout out to, to Johnny there. And his yeah, book out. Again, book I'd, like to, yeah I'd like to uh, podcast with him regarding that yeah. book. I mean, one of my first, my earliest football memories was in 1972 when Birmingham mm. City played against Aston Villa. We played yeah. a moment away, or I think we, we drew. So the game, I'm not too sure whether the first game was at Villa Park, the replay was at St Andrews or St Andrews then Villa Park. But it yeah. was Brian Little versus Trevor Francis. And um, I've done a podcast with Brian and we, we spoke about that. Brian recalls that game very, very right. fondly because he'd, he had played for Aston Villa for the first team, but he did play in the Youth Cup game and Villa went on and, and beat Liverpool in the final in 72. But that was that was Trevor Francis yeah. versus Brian Little. And I said to Brian, in all my time in Birmingham, watching and loving football, we've never had two special players from each team yeah. going head to yeah. head as kids and yeah. growing up and playing for the first team. And, um, yeah. and and I think that there was, over the two games, probably over 40,000 to, to watch those both games. Wow. I think Kenny wow. played, Joe would have played, Trevor played, yeah. Brian played, Bobby McDonald. There was some fantastic players on both sides. Well, you know the FA Youth Cup in a couple of weeks' time. As I say, between um, Manchester United and Forest, the tickets have already sold over 40,000 for that. It's been played at Old Trafford. Yeah, so just by coincidence, just by coincidence, it's at Man United's ground. But uh, I know not the Forest have already sold, I think, uh, well, it's in excess of 4,500 tickets already Brilliant. for the away section. They are selling them for, I think, it's about a pound of tickets. So obviously, it's very cheap, yeah, but yeah. still... Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? Well, I should be watching that game and supporting Forest out Forest win. I, I hope, <laughs> you know, doing the podcast, as you know, uh, both uh, me and Terry, Terry being a former player of Nottingham Forest, of course, we both hope yeah. that Forest get promoted. I'm a big fan of Steve Cooper. Terry was telling me years <laughs> ago, years ago, about this fella that used to uh, be one of the uh, managers of Liverpool's academy and then managed England yeah. uh, and won the World Cup and uh, manager at, at Swansea. I think that he's a fantastic yeah. manager that's embraced the spirit of Clough. And I think that Nottingham Forest are a club, a, a, a club really on the front foot. And, yeah. um, and, and you look at the city ground, and TC said to me, I've never seen days like that, even under Brian. It it wasn't yeah. like that, and it really is at the moment a special club, and I think a special man that's that's created that. Yeah, and he's just uh, he's done completely different to we've gone now. Um, I was looking at the records. Now we've been out in the Premier League for twenty three years. Yeah. We're on our twenty first manager, so Steve Cook is twenty first. Mm. The previous twenty, and even Chris Hewton, the latest one, for whatever reason, didn't want to and really. Purposely didn't want to embrace the history no, of the club, really. But uh, Steve Cooper was the absolute opposite. Straight yeah. away, he wanted to put, he wanted to get everyone involved. John Robertson, John McGovern, you know, John McGovern has been around the club for quite some time, etc. But he wanted to make sure, no, we absolutely embrace the history, mm. uh, and that's the important we should do. And um, 
uh, and also the CEO that's been brought in, um, um, his name escapes me, but he's a young man that's come over from America, uh, you know, just embraced uh, youth, focusing on the youth, etc. And you've seen it. And the fact that we're, we're doing so well, uh, you know, perhaps going into the Premier League this season and we've got to the youth cup final just shows you to just get the, get everything right, concentrate on the right things, get the club running correctly. You know, so every club can do it. It's just going to get the right ingredients all together. But um, no, he's doing great stuff, Steve Cooper. Absolutely. Really Swansea, so. then Bournemouth away, mm. and then Hull City. At home, I think yeah. Hull City. I think it yeah. might have been Brian's first game against Hull City. Yeah. I know that Hull City was a game that Forrest played yeah. um, in the early days of Brian Clough when they were just above the uh, the drop zone in the uh, well, which is now the Championship, which is the level that they are now. But um, yeah. Forrest, if the results go their way, will get automatically promoted, and uh, and I really yeah. hope that they uh, they do because. <laughs> City Ground is a special place, and Forest are a special football club. Yeah, it's been a special, special season. So the atmosphere has been great this season. So uh, uh, I'll probably regret it if we did get promoted to the Premier League because then we we'll start getting thrashed every. <laughs> well, I mean that can season, happen. Which is sad, but yeah, I look yeah. at some of the players and I think, you know what? Yeah. I'd like to see some of them Forest players, them young players, with a yeah. little bit of experience and a good manager. Yeah. Going up there yeah. and playing football the way that they've been playing and the way that Brian yeah. preached the passing game. And uh, yeah. Stevie Cooper is a disciple of, uh, of, of Brian Clough and a throwback. So good luck to, uh, to Nottingham yeah. Forest. I'm fully behind you and <laughs> hope to see you in the Premier League next season. Excellent. No, Thank you. So, no, but uh, yeah, linking it back to that book, so the, the Youth Cup. So, uh, yeah, it'd be an interesting read that one. Definitely. So, uh, uh, a different um, <coughs> name of the trophy. So hopefully, on that one as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so keep promoting these football books, Andy. We will be we will reconvene in another four weeks' time and uh, giving another bout of football. Uh, book reviews and promotions etc etc and it's say it'd just be in time for people to start going on the summer holidays and sitting around the pool and uh, having a Spots little off. bit of spare time a few sangrias and pina coladas and beers and reading about the beautiful game so thanks for listening guys and, uh, and happy reading Excellent. Happy reading all. And thanks again, Paul. Take care. Cheers, pal. Speak soon. All the best, everyone. Cheers. Bye-bye. 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 Bye